Welcome back to the Nerd Normie Podcast. I'm big film nerd Everett. And I'm Emerald. Alright, and on this week's episode we are going to be talking two movies. We've got the brand new Super Mario Bros. movie directed by Aaron Horvath and Michael Yelenich. That's going to be my pick. And my pick is A Good Person, directed by Zach Braff. For each of these movies, we're going to start with the non-spoiler section and then move into spoilers a little bit later on. There will be time codes down in the description so you can jump around. All right, let's get into it. Bowser is coming. Together, we are going to stop that monster. All right. My nerd pick for this week is the Super Mario Bros. movie. Um, it's one I was pretty excited about. I think Nintendo and Mario um, have a very rich group of characters and worlds to pull from, and it's about time that they try again. I know the one in the 80s or whenever that came out was not good, uh, but it was about time for a new one of these, and, uh, well, I guess we got one. Yeah, it was there. Yeah, um, it was directed by Aaron Horvath and Michael Yelenich. It stars Chris Pat, Anya Taylor-Joy, Charlie Day, Jack Black, and a host of other people. And yeah, I was I was excited for this movie. I thought it looked pretty good. Um, I liked the direction they went with the animation. But it really just felt like how much Mario can we cram into 90 minutes, 2 hours, however long this movie was. Um, can we, how many references, how many little things, which games, oh no, we didn't include this one obscure game from 1992, I guess we've got to now dedicate five minutes to it, and it just felt soulless and pointless and long and boring. Yeah, and the editing was a little bit weird, I was talking to Everett about it in the car, where they took a lot of songs... That, like, I like the songs, you know, like the I Need a Hero song or, um, shoot, what's that one called? Take On Me. Take On Me. Like, they're good songs, but it's almost like they decided to add them in after the movie was already edited because there was, like, other songs and sounds kind of playing in the background and they didn't really fit the scenes that they were putting them into. They just threw them in, which was weird. It was weird. Yeah, and if there's an action scene, which there is every two seconds in this movie, you can guarantee there will be a really fast, super slow-mo, back to really fast type of edit. Got really old. If Mario is going to jump with his face towards camera in slow motion, you'll hear a very slow, Mamma Mia, about 50 times across this movie. It's like, did you run out of jokes? Did Chris Pratt bring nothing else? Did you forget to schedule him for the second half of the movie and just had to reuse lines? Yeah, and it was a very simple story. Like, there wasn't that much happening in it, so I think that's why they had to extend all of the action scenes so it seemed more like the video game since it is based off of the video game. But it was just... It didn't have to be as long as it was, <laughs> by any means. It came in at 92 minutes, I just checked, and yet somehow still felt long. And I think a lot of it is just scenes happened for the sake of a scene. It's, oh, now it's Mario Kart time. Oh, it's now we, oh, we have the baby Mario character. Let's have a flashback. Oh, we've got this. Let's Let's spend five minutes running over here as opposed to establishing characters, making us like them, 
and going on a journey together and learning about them and having fun. It just was soulless. It was pointless. I guess there's an objective, but there's no clear set up path slash stakes. It's just like, oh, I guess this is where we're going now. And oh, oh, cool. We're here now. And they just told us, let's go over here. So that's what we're going to do now. And oh, there we go. We're there. Now we're going to go here, I guess. I guess just to set up a bit of context for this movie again, this is non-spoilers. We'll do spoilers later. Um, this is pretty much all stuff you can see in the trailers. But the the plot of the movie is Mario and Luigi are plumbers in Brooklyn. And they get sucked into this magical world of the Mushroom Kingdom and the other realms and whatever. Uh, and Luigi ends up captured by Bowser. So Mario has to go save him. And for about 20 seconds, they did something I really liked. And it was him having to practice, Mario, having to practice over and over and over again. Like you, the player, would have to do on a level in Mario. When it's like, oh, I gotta learn the timing of this. And I've gotta get used to this. And I've gotta, you know, practice my jumping in sequence to make sure I get across this area and hit these enemies and do all this kind of stuff which was very classic Mario, and I was like, oh, that's a fun way to incorporate that. And then any other time, he just kind of wins, and then that's it. Um, and so they don't do anything with that. They go off, they adventure, movie yeah. over. And the other thing is that with finding Luigi and saving him or whatever being the main objective of the movie and them talking about how close they are and how they're best friends they can do anything together or whatever they have no like actual moments that show that they're bonded I feel like like their friendship their brother relationship anything there's like no connection it's boring yeah there's very early on a moment where they're working on just the normal plumbing job and we're supposed to be like oh these are close brothers and they stick by each other and da 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 but they're not good at their job they're just kind of annoying mario just leaves luigi behind to try and catch up constantly and then the whole family berates mario and luigi comes to his defense and it feels a little bit like I don't know, like a Stockholm Syndrome situation where Luigi just can't let himself believe that Mario is a loser, but he kind of is, yeah. and not in a likable, charming way. I think it's fitting, I guess, that Chris Pratt was cast as him because we don't like Chris Pratt. <laughs> uh, never really liked him in most of his roles, and he brings that kind of pathetic, losery Parks and Rec vibe. Yeah but less funny and just boring. Like, they're awful at their job and everything they do, they mess up and make worse. And then there's no real character development to show that they're getting better. Like, had there been any scene later of them doing their job and doing it well... That would have been some kind of improvement, but it's just like everything just fell into their lap and then they, and then it's over. Yeah, it really, there is not much in terms of character development. They're too busy going places and doing things for yeah. their, for them to actually grow as characters. Um, in terms of the villain Bowser, 
the best thing I can say about him is I like Jack Black, and I think his animation is cool. Yeah, I mean, he's not threatening, he's weird, and the direction they took him was very odd to me. I don't know, it was just uncomfortable a little bit and weird. Yeah. I it was really awkward and not in like a haha this is funny like the here or the villain is weird and quirky or like oh he thinks he's tough but he's got a vulnerable underside and they're going to exploit that no he's just kind of a creepy guy with, but not in a scary creepy yeah way. like weird vibes like if he sat down next to you you'd you'd move a couple seats over yeah overall Everett said it best. We were in a theater with a lot of kids. It was jam-packed full of kids, and they were screaming, laughing, having so much fun. And they had fun up until about 30 minutes into the movie, where they were cheering on Mario, and then they also went silent. And I think that just kind of reflects how the movie is. We all had our hopes up. It seemed like it was going to be fun, it was bright, it was colorful, it was boring. Yeah, when a group of 8 to 13 year old boys, probably 10 of them in front of us, cheered louder for the Barbie movie trailer than for the exciting climax of the Mario movie, that was a little like, huh, yeah, this movie didn't land for them. Yeah, it was rough. Should we move into the spoiler section? I think we shall. So, yeah, we're moving on to spoilers here. So if you haven't seen the movie and you don't want to hear anything about it, uh, skip ahead and you can hear our thoughts on A Good Person. All right. So, yeah, this movie follows Mario and Luigi, who are brothers who are attempting to start their own plumbing company, um, but they're not getting any business. They're not very good at their job, their family. I will say they have a really great commercial that was released in the promotional material for this movie, and it made me laugh then, and it still made me laugh in the movie. That, yeah. That's good comedy That right was there. the best scene in the movie, was the commercial for their plumbing company, which is how they get the name the Super Mario Brothers. Um, and their family, they think that they're losers, and then the city starts flooding, I guess, Brooklyn, and they go to stop it, but they make it worse because they make everything worse. And by chance, they get sucked into these alternate worlds, and Luigi happens to get broken off and end up in the Dark Realm or something, Bowser's Kingdom, and Mario ends up in the Toad Kingdom. Not because of a reason, just because when they're finally Mario catches up to him while they're flying through this magical pipe realm thing, uh, they're holding hands, and he goes, haha, nothing can separate us, and then they just separate they don't hit anything they don't have to make a choice no one comes out and goes haha i'm gonna divide you now no joke where someone's phone rings so he pulls his hand away to check his phone and they get pulled apart literally it's just like haha we'll never separate boom separated yeah and then mario decides he has to save luigi so he teams up with peach who wants to stop bowser And they go to Donkey Kong Kingdom to get an army, and then they save the day. And that's really all that happens, but it's not Not climactic. (laughs) It's not fun. Yeah, and, like, Luigi ends up in what I would assume was Luigi's mansion and has a weird, like, longing to go back there, even though it's in the haunted world. 
there's no real challenge for them to win this. Like, Mario has to fight Donkey Kong and win the army so that they can go fight Bowser, I guess. And he's just getting the snot beat out of him over and over and over and over and over. But then he gets a power-up that just immediately allows him to win. And it's like... Yeah. too easy i think the power-ups are a real issue they wanted to feature them because they're a mechanic within the game you know get a red mushroom you get really big stuff like that but they really hindered the movie because you get them in the exact same way as the game which is mario hits a brick he magically gets the power but the issue for me in the game, I have to get to that brick and hit it myself. I might have to jump over three Goombas and into a weird little, like, make a perfect jump into a weird box area, and then I can hit it. But in this, it's just like, yeah, okay, maybe this Mario did a cool jump to get there, but he didn't earn it. It doesn't, it's not the same as me earning a power-up in a game, watching a character just get one. Yeah. And then magically have these powers and then he instantly knows what what to do with them. It's not like, oh, he gets this power and he's got to figure it out and use his smarts and his skills to make it happen. No, he gets the cat suit, so magically he can act exactly with the reflexes of a cat and never has to try again and just beats Donkey Kong within two seconds. Yeah, like, had maybe Peach been, like, yelling and cheering from the side, telling him, like, because she's practiced her whole life doing this, telling him, like, oh, well, with this one you can do this, this, and this, or whatever, or had they gone into it more when they were doing that obstacle practice course and he's like oh I've practiced with this before but it was just like he had it he won and the only good part about that was that we got to listen to Seth Rogen do the Seth Rogen laugh which I was telling him makes any scene great but not really fitting for the movie not not good (laughs) yeah I think it was just a weird direction for every character about the only character going into this that i felt like they went the correct direction who's like a main character like you know a koopa guy on the side is whatever but like i think peach i think anya taylor joy does a good peach and her character is fun and interesting and that's about it toad is like a weird tough guy which maybe he is in some of the games i haven't played very much mario stuff but like i think of toad as like cute and fun but he's like tough and action hero almost um as mentioned mario kind of a loser and never redeems himself i guess luigi being a coward more or less fits he's not really in the movie that much yeah donkey oh go ahead oh i was gonna say and with toad they use the line no i'm too cute to die eight times i swear it was like anytime something happened he would say that but then also was the one who wanted to pick fights and wanted to protect people and whatever and they also picked up this weird like i'm mario's best friend thing that they do with like some movies like i was saying um they did it with the little chihuahua thing in Puss in Boots, and that fit his character so well. And it was almost like they copied that in a weird way that didn't at all follow through with the rest of the movie. Yeah, I think one draft of the script, Toad was a cute sidekick that everyone goes, aww, for. And then they did a second pass of the script, and they are like, no, he's going to be an action hero now. And we got a weird 
in between where one scene he's an action hero the next scene he's too cute and wants to be best friends with everybody so yeah these character differences one that was really bad i think is donkey kong i love seth rogan and his laugh and i think he could have been a good donkey kong and i kind of get where they were going he's like this pompous airhead type guy who just loves the crowd or whatever but at the same time of course because there's no real arc or development he instantly is also this vulnerable guy who just wants to be seen by his father and they don't do anything with it like it's not interesting it's one note and he's just like if the scene needs him to be a tough guy he's a tough guy if the scene needs him to be sad and vulnerable he's sad and vulnerable and they don't pick one they don't try like it's just like oh no we're in an issue where this character is going to have to grow or we're going to have to write something clever to get him out of here oh no we'll just completely flip on his character yeah and they would do that a lot with like him and mario's relationship where like they started off having to fight as enemies and then like they kind of end up helping each other out and then whatever but then they still go back to making fun of each other and being rude for no reason like it and not like a friend making fun of each other, kind of like, haha, now we're like, with a bit of a wink, we get it now. Yeah. It's just like a 180 back to being bickering enemies. Yeah, like, oh, you're trying to flirt, you're pathetic, the Princess Peach would never date you, loser. And then it's like, he literally saves your life and you're still gonna go back to being mean? Like, I yeah. just, it doesn't make any sense. It's very weird. Um, But the biggest let down weird decision problem with this movie is bowser yeah i and this is not a slight on jack black because i think he has done some amazing work and is talented and i think he played what was written as best he could <laughs> yeah I, w- I would agree with that however what is written is garbage so bizarre it's weird it's bad I don't think it got, like, any laughs. They keep going back to this thing where he writes these love ballads for Peach because he's going to marry her. Well, he wants to marry her. He wants to marry her, and he puts his heart and soul into singing at the piano. It's this dramatic ballad. And when I tell you there were crickets in the theater, not a single person even snickered at these moments. They were not funny. They were so awkward. I don't know what they were thinking. Yeah, and it's like... I could almost understand that dynamic of him being, like, this bad guy who wants to, you know, impress Peach or whatever and marry her. But he talks in ways that contradict, where he's, like, they've never met, even, really. Because the way that she talks, she's like, I'm finally gonna confront Bowser, whatever. But the way he talks is he's like, she's so cool and she's so tough and she does all this stuff. But it's like, how would he know that? And why did he decide that he just randomly wants to marry her? Like, they have no exposition on their relationship before this place, you know? And so it's just like, he's been a bad guy. He's taken over the world. He's gotten this star. And now he's going to go propose to her, question mark. And if she says no, he's just going to kill her whole city. It's just weird and doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And again, with the flip-flopping, one moment he's going to be a tough guy who's threatening people, burning down a castle with his fire breath stuff. And then the next moment he's like jokey, silly, weird guy. And then back to Sinister and not in like a Jekyll and Hyde or, oh no, this is an unhinged villain. Just in a like 
again, it feels like there's two versions of this movie. One where it's far more serious and action heavy and one where everything is just a joke, weird comedy. And we got something in the middle that just doesn't work. Yeah. And then at the end, when they're having this big battle, it's just like a bummer because he's like, Peach likes you better. And so now you need to be miserable and sad the way that I'm miserable and sad. And it's just like, I wish they would have given him like they're back in Brooklyn. They could have given him like some Jersey girl or like a Brooklyn girl who's tough and whatever for him to fall in love with and then be happy but they just didn't do anything and it was just like a bummer he gets no ending and like even their fight scene I feel like is so anticlimactic it's just like they get the star they beat him up everything's fine which is like not really how the star works I feel like in the games anyways like it makes you tough for like 10 seconds but then you have to go back to being normal and it's like why did he not just use it and he could have just taken over the world and kept it on him forever I don't know it just like didn't make sense to me and it made it too easy there was a part that almost was exciting where it was like that scene in Dungeons and Dragons where they all pile up on the bad guy and they were doing that with like Donkey Kong and Peach beating her beating him up and then all of a sudden it's like they have the star and it's over. Yeah. It's it's very... they Again, they get the scar, star. They kind of deserve it this time because Luigi helps block some fire breath for like two seconds. But again, it's very simple for them to get the star. And Bowser is trying to kill them and want, is has been defeated and thrown to Brooklyn. And oh no, he's now got to destroy the whole world. But I'm just... He's just going to hold the star over here because... He doesn't want to use it, even though he said he'd use it if this exact scenario happened, just so Peach could knock it away, so that then Mario and Luigi can both go get it, and then, again, instantly have invulnerability and hit Bowser every time without any challenge and just win. And then the movie's over. There's another thing to mention. There's a, a weird blue star flame creature. I don't know what game or what character he is, but they're in the jail area with luigi in bowser's castle and he's like all like sad and has given up all hope and thinks it's pointless to hope but he kind of says it in these like cute funny ways and it was like haha yeah whatever for like one moment but they kept going back to him again and again and again and they're like getting lowered in the lava and he's like haha finally sweet mercy and then he gets pulled back from the lava and he's like, no, I wish I was, I wish I was melting or whatever. Yeah, he the says. sweet release of death. Yeah, like... stuff like that. Um, and it's like really weird choice for a kid's movie. And I know it was in the trailers and I didn't think it was going to be this heavily featured. And then it was. And then not only that, but the last shot of the movie, not including postcard scenes, is this star creature thing coming back to the screen and telling people like, oh it's over but at least it was a happy ending or wait are we all gonna go into the abyss and it's all nothingness guess we'll play the saxophone and i'm like that's not like haha reverent humor that's just weird and unnecessary and dark for a kid's movie yeah like it's it was all just it didn't fit together and it was weird it was supposed to be a comedy supposed to be an action but they didn't mesh the two together well it was just weird and boring and none of the characters meant anything yeah and then we get two post-credit scenes the first one is 
another Bowser ballad that did not need to happen or exist and was just a waste of everyone's time. Uh, and then the second one is a teaser of Yoshi's Egg. I would be excited if I wanted another one of these movies, but I don't. I It was just not worth it. It really wasn't. Uh, so yeah, what's your overall rating? Um, I'm gonna give it a 3 out of 10. A point for its fun visuals at times. A point for the commercial gag. That's funny. And a point because it was never poorly made. Just wrong decisions. Yeah. But that's all I can give it. I'm falling between a three and a four. I would give it an extra point just because they added the songs that I like, even though I said they didn't fit well in it. Um, and like I told Everett, I don't think any song or any movie ever should ever use the song I Need a Hero after the incredible rendition from Shrek 2. And it should die in cinema after that because it will never be improved from that amazing point. Well, I'm not sure I agree with that, but that concludes our thoughts <laughs> on Super Mario Bros. It is not one we would recommend. Again, Dungeons & Dragons is in theaters right now. If you want a fun action comedy, go see that instead. If you're looking for a fun kids movie, Puss in Boots is now on streaming. That's what this movie thought it was. Pick one of those. All right, we are moving on. Do you think I know every human being with a mustache wearing an identical outfit with a hat with the letter of his first name on it? <laughs> because I don't. All right, moving on to my pick for the week, which is A Good Person. It is directed by Zach Braff and stars Florence Pugh and Morgan Freeman. <laughs> yeah, so this movie follows Florence Pugh after she is in a car accident uh, and develops an addiction. Um, and it's her and Morgan Freeman's journey together, uh, struggling with addiction, struggling with loss and grief and acceptance. Uh, Morgan Freeman has uh, now custody of his granddaughter and is raising her and the struggles of raising her um, because she now no longer has her parents and he doesn't know how to raise a teen. So there's a little dynamic there. Uh, Florence Pugh is struggling with the loss of her fiance or their relationship and what that has left in her life and her mother being somewhat of an alcoholic substance abuser to some extent uh, and just all these kind of family drama dynamics trapped in small town new jersey right by the city kind of vibe um and just it's an it's an exploration of grief and addiction and loss uh, and the struggles of trying to move out of that. I mean, if you've seen the trailer, you know what the movie is going to be. There's no real surprises, I wouldn't say, in it. It's it's exactly what you think. Um, it's a little bit sad. Like, him and I both teared up a couple times. The people sitting next to us... <laughs> were sobbing the whole movie like literally right from the get-go just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed the whole way through I wouldn't say it was that sad I think it's like it had a few moments that were touching but for the most part it's it's what you think it would be <laughs> yeah and I could definitely see it being 
if you know someone in your life or have been that person, I could see this being a movie that hits you hard. But outside of that, it does feel a little sad for the sake of being sad. And drama for the sake of drama, as opposed to like, there's a message they want, the filmmaker wants us to learn. It lacked that extra bit of punch and focus that would have turned this movie into something really special. Because I think, I mean, we can all agree, Morgan Freeman, excellent. And I think he does a decent job in this movie. Uh, Florence Pugh, phenomenal yet again. In everything. In everything she does. Uh, And the supporting cast, nobody really, even Nick Wolf, who I don't love from Hereditary, even he's like decent enough. There's, there's nothing wrong with this movie. There's nothing to directly point to. Maybe a few moments that are like weird or whatever or don't quite fit. But there's not like, oh, that was where they went wrong. Or this was not what it was supposed to be about. They should have done this. It was just like, yeah, I mean, it worked. I guess that's the movie. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's very memorable in terms of like movies like this that I've seen. I do think it is a lot like movies we've seen before it doesn't really do anything new um but you know i liked it i I think it was you know it wasn't a waste of two hours but it is very much like if you come back in a couple months and ask me to list what movies we saw this year i probably won't remember that we saw this until you tell me yeah i mean we'll remember mario because we hated it so much but (laughs) this one it's like it just kind of falls in the neutral area of not really memorable but not bad there's not really too much to say about this one besides what we've already said the gist of the movie and then our kind of thoughts on it so we're probably just gonna go right into spoilers on this one um so if you're not interested in hearing them turn it off now yeah so this follows Florence Pugh she's engaged to her fiance and his sister and his sister's husband are going with her to try on her wedding dresses and um she looks down at her phone for you know a couple seconds and she ends up hitting a like tractor back plow thing that pulls out in front of her um and wakes up in the hospital she has a really bad head injury and the two other people in the car with her pass away um leaving you know leaving their daughter an orphan who morgan freeman adopts and has to take care of uh yeah and then she gets addicted to the painkillers that they get that she gets put on but mostly because the physical pain's gone but you know the emotional pain's still there and she's trying to numb that pain uh yeah her she lives with her mom. She's 26. She ends up ending her relationship with her fiance because she can't really face what she's done. And, you know, I think they did need that time apart. But I don't really think that there was enough character growth in it for me to support any of the characters that much. Yeah, I think it basically it keeps going like the the stumbling on the path to recovery trail the whole way through and then at one point kind of towards probably like the third act around there i was starting to think to myself like there's not enough 
time for this to get resolved. Uh, and so then the, the magic of Rolex, her dad abandoned them when they were young, but left her a Rolex and then she sells it and just gets enough money to go to rehab and goes to rehab. So it, it almost kind of felt cheap in the end where it was like, oh yeah, hard work and support networks. They don't do anything. You need to be rich and go to rehab. That's the way to solve your problems. And that left a little sour taste in my mouth that kind of undid the hard work some because there were some good scenes before that that I was like, oh, like I think this could be an interesting movie. And then it kind of just undid it all with that for me. Yeah, it's a little rough of a watch on the drug addict side just because like a lot of people in my family have struggled with addiction. So I'm very familiar with like that kind of issue, you know? So it's like you would think that that would have been a sadder movie for me but it was they just made it too easy almost like she you know has to she does drugs with these guys from her high school who she thought were kind of garbage and they are and then that's not her rock bottom and then she decides she really does need help and asks her mom for help and her mom just gives her more drugs and her mom never apologizes her mom never gets better her mom's still an alcoholic at the end like there's no improvement on that part and then she's still not hitting rock bottom and then she you know morgan freeman's trying to help her and she meets his granddaughter whose parents she killed and the granddaughter's angry for 30 seconds and then wants to be her best friend And then she literally takes her to a party where she, you know, almost gets assaulted or maybe does get assaulted and we just don't see it on screen. And Morgan Freeman threatens a man with a gun, which I don't think fit into the movie at all. Yeah, that kind of came out of nowhere. And he also drinks and then they never mention it again, even though he's been 10 years sober, which is like a horrendous thing to have happen in that movie to never mention again. And then that's, I guess, her rock bottom because yeah. he they decide that, like, you know, they've given up on her. But only Morgan Freeman gives up on her. I feel like from an actual turn, like an actual place of addiction, you don't really hit rock bottom until everyone has like given up on you, you know? Mm-hmm. And then she still is the one who decides that she needs help, which also doesn't really happen in the land of addiction, you know? Like it's yeah. Very rare that they're the ones who are checking themselves into rehab and you know, if she had pawned off that watch for that money in real life, it would probably be for drugs, not for, you know, and so it's just like it was hard for me to watch just because it wasn't believable in that aspect. And then, yeah, she goes to rehab. She immediately gets better. No struggling. She's just fine in rehab. Well, there's only 20 minutes left in the movie. There's (laughs) no time for her to struggle. Like, come on, get with it. Yeah, and then she gets out. They're fine again. They're happy. Morgan Freeman dies. And... Oh, yeah. Yeah. I forgot he did that. (laughs) Yeah, he dies. And she goes to his funeral that she's somehow the coordinator of, even though she's been in rehab for a year and hasn't been involved in their lives. Well, as far as we know, after she gets out of rehab, it skips ahead a year. So I guess she could have been more involved in their lives during that time. But like, it's a year later, he's dead. She's best friends with a daughter still. And the... Maybe getting back together with her fiance, question mark. So there's no consequences. And it's not like, you know, 
it was truly an accident. Everyone's looked down at their phones for a bit longer than they should on the road. Like, it was very clearly an accident that killed those two people. And that is a tragedy. And I'm not saying she deserves to be punished for that. But, like, she wasn't a good person in a good person. She was bad the whole movie. And then she still gets... She was a good person, but she no longer is one and then never has to go back to being one. She's just enabled throughout the movie until she magically cures herself. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And the the relationship with the granddaughter was, for me, the weakest part of the film. It was, I get what they were trying to do of, like, the, the granddaughter, her mother always spoke so highly of Florence Pugh and her relationship with her brother and all that kind of stuff and really wanted that marriage to work out and was always rooting for them. And so the daughter kind of takes that on and I get that she's like trying to live up to her mother and all this kind of stuff. So she's trying to love Florence Pugh, even though she's the one who killed her parents, but she just flip flops. She goes from like being screaming mad, which is fair enough screaming mad and crying and all of this stuff to then suddenly being like no stay i want to get to know you and like be around you but then she also what i thought was very clearly being antagonistic and the actress seemed to play it that way and it was like shot like it was a confrontation scene um and they're in like this coffee shop and she just keeps like pressing about um Florence Pugh's now ex-fiance and then starts bringing up that he's now in a relationship and he's happy and he's got a dog and blah 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 and all these things that would just obviously set Florence Pugh off and then Florence Pugh starts to cry naturally and she's like wait oh my god did I make you sad I'm so sorry I didn't mean to be mean and it's like clearly you did but now you're and maybe it's like they were trying to go for that like oh I wasn't trying to be mean but like they played it off earnestly and then they do become friends in a way so it's like what are we doing here yeah and there were there were a few times where it was like morgan freeman don't go see my granddaughter florence Pugh goes and sees her morgan freeman thanks for seeing my granddaughter something goes wrong i told you not to go see my granddaughter a little bit later thanks for going to see my granddaughter and it's like just flipping back and forth and it's like i get that that can kind of be how people act in real life where they flip back on what they've said and things like that, but that movies aren't real life. Like yeah. there, there needs to be a little bit of narrative structure and flow. So we know where these characters stand because I am not in this scenario and I don't have days and weeks to understand these things. I have two hours. Yeah. One of my other big issues with the granddaughter, I think she was played well. I think that actress was very precious, yeah, for like sure. whatever, but they have a scene where Morgan Freeman walks in on her having sex with an adult man, and she's a teenage girl, which is illegal. Yeah, 16 and tw- 20, 20. Yeah. And Morgan Freeman just yells at him and then lets him go, which is like, okay, maybe, even though he's an ex-cop, like, I feel like he would definitely be sending him to jail. Yeah, especially because, like, they make a point of the boy leaves his clothes in the room and he's Morgan Freeman has to throw his keys down like I thought he was going to check the wallet and get his name or his address or something follow up or anything yeah and he's literally yelling that it's statutory which it is and like okay fine you know 
teenage girls, that happens, especially ones that are going through trauma. Okay. But my issue is later they're doing this like montage of people's lives getting better in one way or another. And instead of this girl who's dropping off the soccer team, like not going to make it into Stanford, which was her dream, failing classes, talking back to teachers, instead of her like going to therapy or doing something to self-improve, her part of the happiness montage is getting on birth control so she can continue sleeping with this 20-year-old man. Which she then goes and does while like drugged or drunk and like basically immobile unconscious and the guy's like making out with her when they bust into the room and one of the biggest issues of all of that there's a the first scene after um the first incident happens morgan freeman and florence Pugh meet at a diner and they're talking and he's like oh i don't get it i caught her with this guy or whatever and florence is like oh well you know teenagers they're they're gonna have sex and i'm like i get that sentiment but not when it's this. This scenario is not the way to encourage young people to experience life and know their bodies and all of that. Like, there needs to be lines drawn and you can be like, hey, I understand I have no control. And if these are the choices you're making, make them safely. And I'm going to help you do that to some extent or something. But also, you cannot be with someone when it's illegal they are going to get arrested. Well, I think the thing with that scene is that he said, I caught her with a man, or I caught her with a boy who looks like a man. So in that case, Florence didn't know that he was overage, I feel like, because I feel like she wouldn't have given that advice in that way. I feel like later in the movie when Morgan Freeman's talking to her and she's asking for her phone back and he says, fine, but only if you get on birth control... It should have been okay, but if you're going to have sex, it needs to be with people your own age. Because it's like, they are going to, but it needs to be legal (laughs) and consensual. And it's just like, there's no repercussions, not for that man, not for Morgan Freeman drinking and, you know, getting unsober, (laughs) not for him threatening that guy with a gun. And it's just, like, all of that crammed in the last 20 minutes with no follow-up was really a letdown. Yeah, I think the the movie uh, bit off more than it could chew. It had a couple too many subplots and plot lines that it wanted to follow um, that it just didn't have the time to actually service. Yeah. Um, and I know it's set in South Orange. Is that what it was called? South Orange, New Jersey. Um, and that is where Zach Braff grew up. So I wonder if bits and pieces of this are taken from memories or just like his feeling of what it was like growing up there and like, you know, seeing people in a rougher area struggle with addiction, things like that. And so I, and I kind of like felt that in the movie that this is in a weird way, like a love letter to where he grew up and like, uh, Uh, trying to show it to the world in a way that like yeah it's rough but also it can be great and beautiful and people can come out of this but i think the issue is because it was such like a personal emotional story it was hard for people to tell him hey maybe we shouldn't be spending 20 minutes doing this in an already two-hour movie like it needed a few more passes at the script again to to focus it and to make it a little more 
like a movie as opposed to a collection of scenes yeah and to build the bonds stronger i feel like because her planning morgan freeman's funeral at the end didn't really make sense because the last time they spoke he hated her and then they didn't show any kind of reunion really besides him showing up to her graduation from the rehab where they don't talk (laughs) yeah so it's like there was a never really a ending where they were friends again so it was kind of just odd to see her there and another really big plot hole is that she was supposed to look really bad with her weird haircut she did but she looked freaking cool okay her hair was awesome and i loved it so (laughs) it also happens to be almost the exact haircut i have but i would not say i'm doing it intentionally it is the fact that i have not cut my hair in far too long (laughs) (laughs) but yeah um yeah, I don't know. It's it's not a bad movie. I can there's definitely some stuff there that could have been great. But it wasn't. Yeah, it just fell a little flat. Um but, you know, I did enjoy it. It it didn't feel like a waste of time. We ended up seeing both of these movies in the same day and like I don't know. It it was it was a day well spent, I feel like in terms of like a date but i wouldn't really recommend either of these movies going forward and thank god we went to super mario bros with some friends because it was fun to go with them (laughs) yeah (laughs) uh and that saved that movie but yeah so what would you give a good person um i think i'm around a six to a 6.5 yeah i i think i'm almost in the exact same spot not to just keep agreeing on movies (laughs) um Um, i was at a seven when we went to see it i will say that i was like at a seven and then the more we talked about it the more i realized i was like oh a lot of this stuff didn't really add up which dropped me down to like a six six and a half yeah i i would say when i walked out of the theater i thought that by the by this point i was going to be at an eight i thought this was one of the movies where the more i thought about it and sat with it i would like it more but the opposite happened. I I know started to think and go, well, actually, that was a little like they should have resolved that or like, oh, that was a little sketchy, skeevy, needed better handling. And there were just a few too many moments like that that held this movie back. All right. Well, that's our thoughts on a good person. Allison, don't run away now because of me. There are thousands of meetings. I'll find another one. Well, somehow you found your way to this one. Okay, well, thank you for listening to our podcast this week. Make sure to follow us on TikTok and Instagram at Nerd and Normie, and we will be posting a new podcast every Monday. Bye. Bye.